right, so, uh, so, we're, so we're live. Uh, so hey, everybody, and, uh, and welcome to the last panel of MaydayCon 2020. Uh, it, 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 it feels like it's been a long day, but it really hasn't. I mean, it, I mean, it's 14 hours is pretty long, but uh, it hasn't felt like it. It's been a, a wonderful day full of amazing authors, and we have another amazing set of authors on this panel. Uh, again, lastly, I'm your moderator, uh, David Walters of FanFi Addicts. And uh, just a quick note, again, you can feel free to submit comments or questions if you have any. Uh, and we'll try to get to them. Uh, we may actually, we might run this one a little bit longer since Jeremy is going to be our last reader and uh, he seems to have all the time in the world. So we may, <laughs> we may take this one into oblivion. We'll see. Um, but uh, just kind of beginning, let's go ahead and have everybody introduce themselves. So we'll start with Mr. Martell. And then uh, I'm pretty sure I pointed the wrong way. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll go to Jeremy, go down to Devin and across. So Nick, why don't you take it away? Uh, my name's Nick. I wrote a book called The Kingdom of Liars. I feel like I apologize for my, my main character like every other day, so that's really all I can say about it. You sound so enthusiastic. Look, <laughs> I, I'm a little tired. But Everybody buy my book and read Please it. buy my book. He's in the middle of surviving. I am in the middle of surviving. My debut came out seven days ago, so this is full debut mode where i feel like i'm too much online but i got you jeremy all right my name is jeremy zal uh not sazzle as some people have been taking me taking to calling me um including george r martin for some reason um yeah so i write about space i write about brothers aliens and aliens getting high in space uh, i'm really excited my book stormblood comes out in 19 days in galance uh not counting or anything 19 days so yeah, I'm, which I'm not nervous about at all. And yeah, and I'm, please buy it. Please buy everyone else's book and while you're at it. And I'm really excited to be here right now. I'm Australian, so I'm having a good Australian breakfast right about now at 10 o'clock. Oh in the my morning. God, I thought you were joking about that. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't joke about anything. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to slagging uh, off on this book while I'm. Absolutely. Here. Oh God. Absolutely. All right, Devin. Uh, okay, I am uh, Devin Madsen. Um, I started out in self-publishing and was picked up by Orbit last year. And my Tread debut, uh, Rewrite the Storm, I actually even have the fans book, um, is coming out on the uh, 23rd of June. That way. That way. Right there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, this whole uh, camera's got way. me backwards. <laughs> I've been doing this for 13 hours and I still can't figure out which way to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, Scotty. <laughs> My name's Scott Drakeford. Uh, I've got a book slash trilogy coming out from Tor next year. Uh, all I've got is this super fancy uh, bound manuscript as of right now. But yeah, that'll be called Rise of Mages, I think. <laughs> so super confident. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I hope that's what I hope the I think is in the title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It print. Uh, yeah, parentheses and everything. Uh, and Sam, she might be having some technical difficulties. Sam, you there? Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Sam. I'm slightly ahead in the debut process um, compared to the. Oh, we lost her. Oh, bad connection. Oh, bless it. Oh no. <laughs> we'll get her back in. Like I said, uh, Jeremy. I'm just going to go ahead and speak for you. You don't care how long we go, so we'll get Sam back in. 
uh, <laughs> since you're reading next. Um, so what kind of what kind of start? Uh, kind of start with a happy topic. Why not happy stuff, right? Uh, <laughs> so you have a contract to publish a novel. How do you celebrate? Are you talking to me? Oh, anybody? Okay, sorry. Like this said, is open discussion now. Okay, you said my name, so I thought you were talking to me. Sorry, someone else. Go. Someone else. That's not me. Talk. Um, I okay. I'll I'll talk. Um, I think you have to. I don't know. Think it's like one big celebration. I think it's a lot of small little celebrations. The, because the publishing process is very long, so you got to like celebrate as it, like. I got cupcakes the day my like book came out in the UK. And when I got my contract, my like girlfriend bought me a book. Like there's little things you do, like you can make it better, but like, I don't know about big celebration. And that's maybe that's not as happy as it should have been. But. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine that uh, this whole pandemic has, you know, somewhat hurt that. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yet. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, you'll stand back. <laughs> My internet is, I was about to say rude word. Am I allowed to say rude word? Yeah, how about it? <laughs> my, my internet is shut. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember how phone. many times the F word was used during Peter B. Brett and Mike Cole's uh, <laughs> uh, panel, especially with how many times Elena was alluding to how many words she writes in a couple of hours. Wait, <laughs> the F word? Don't you mean, you mean fish? Yeah, fish. Yeah. Frank, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, fiddlesticks. Well, look, mate. My internet is fish and frank, so I've connected it to my phone. Um, and yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, I'm Sam. Um, I, I wrote a book called City of Lies, which looks like this in the US and like this in the UK. Um, and they came out in um, uh, the year before last. Um, and the sequel, Hello Empire, is due out in December. Anyway, sorry about my connection problem. Are you completely fine? <laughs> <laughs> so anybody want to anybody want to follow up uh, Nick's depressing answer? <laughs> like, I, he's really right, though. You know, like it's a lot of tiny things because you know the first time that you get any hint that anything's going to happen, you can't even talk about it. Uh, so you know, you're kind of just celebrating on your own, I guess, or like, you know, yelling at a couple of really close friends or family or something. And it's all tiny steps, you know, like, you know, at that time you get like, well, for me, it was, you know, Orbit getting in contact with me. For, but for most people, it's like, I, I have an agent or someone wants a full manuscript. That's a celebration, you know, an agent wants to represent you. That's a celebration. It's like, so it's lots of tiny steps, I guess. And because you can't talk about any of them as you go, when they actually happen, by the time they're knowledge you can't really you don't feel the same anymore Gosh, yeah definitely definitely don't celebrate by quitting your day job right like <laughs> uh, I think, yeah don't do that <laughs> i think i got an agent in like 2015 i think i got a book deal in 2017 and tor's like hey yeah we want to like publish all three or three of your books together so i got a, a a contract for a trilogy right and they want to publish them together which is really cool, especially for people that have written all three books, but I hadn't and still uh. am not done. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, uh, it, it, it can be a long road for sure. So don't go too nuts right at first. So so are they kind of doing like they did with Sarah Kozlov? Are they gonna like release yours yeah. like in the same? Okay, because you know, they, they release hers like one after another after another in like a four month succession. So they're gonna do that with your trilogy? 
Or that's the plan? Uh, that's the plan, yeah. Uh, uh, I doubt it'll be. <laughs> Everything's up in the air, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt it'll be that quick. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the general idea. Yeah, and, and I'm pretty stoked for that uh, when that day comes next year. That's really interesting. I assumed that they did that because the books were already done and they wanted to take advantage of the fact that the writer had already done them. I didn't realize they did it to people who hadn't finished the trilogy. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I just wanted to make sure I could write it. I don't know. But so they, they stuck the fork in too early, huh? Yeah, okay. <laughs> we weren't, weren't, quite, weren't quite done. Uh, what about you, Sam? Oh, sorry. I, I guess I, I have to pose the question I missed again. The so, so you've uh, you've got a contract to publish your first novel. How do you celebrate, or do you? Oh, um, I took my whole family out to dinner. Um, my my immediate family and my extended family, and um, bought them all a steak. <laughs> um, <laughs> it <was> very exciting. <laughs> you have to, like Deb was saying, um, like you have to sort of celebrate the milestones as they happen, because otherwise the whole industry can be pretty depressing. Um, so yeah, I'm a very firm believer in getting excited when you can because um, those times might be few and far between. Um, mm. if you go keep yourself going. I gotcha. Yeah, because I, I know uh, you know with with some of you, I've kind of seen through the process of, of getting, uh, I guess, a contract uh, with a publisher and being very hush hush about it, and then the announcement comes, say, a couple of months later, and then a couple of months later, then you maybe have a cover reveal. And then a few months later, the arcs kind of start rolling out. So I guess, yeah, it's just a bunch of like mini like woo moments. And, and then, you know, you just have to wait, wait, wait until it's finally published. And I mean, you know, in that time you start getting, you know, say your, your, you know, your author blurbs and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, you know, with kind of in the same realm, I mean, is it even possible to celebrate? And Scott can probably answer this question uh, first. Uh, is it really possible to celebrate knowing there's a lot of work forthcoming? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is, right? Like, um, I, I still remember the day I, I got an email from my agent saying he wanted to represent it, right? Um, and, and that was a, a, like five years ago, but I, I still uh, have a, a, a real good memory of, of when that came. And I was super stoked then, and I, I was super stoked when I got the tour deal. And I'm still super stoked right now, right? Like, uh, uh, would I like to have uh, some books on the shelf? Yes. Uh, would I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the, it, it's all ups and downs, right? The, they're definitely down. Oh, there goes Sam again. Uh, there are des definitely some downs. Just like but, ghost uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Go Australian. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, anyway, uh, there are definitely some downs, but I think there are a lot of, a lot of things to celebrate in the process, you know, uh, no matter what your path is, I, I think there's, uh, always something good. And I think, I think it's important to take stock of that and treat it for what it is. Who else wants to follow that up? <laughs> I can, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I did like Sam. I took my whole family out to dinner when I got the book deal. Um, yeah, it's and I took my family out when I got my agent as well. And yeah, it is important to celebrate the the moments as they happen because you know you're not sure when they'll come again. You're not sure, you know, if you know you're going to be able to have that same amount of joy. I mean, you know, get, getting a book deal is amazing, and getting that email, this is going to happen. I'm someone is going to represent you. You're going to have this editor. You're going to have this cover. That's all great. 
but then, you know, you realize, oh, I've got to do this for a living now. Oh, I've got to write the next book. Oh, I've got to, you know, do this event. And it becomes a little bit perfunctory, like not, you know, not too much, you know, it's still cool to be doing this, but it's just, you know, that's your way of life now. And so, you know, I have to remember as you head into it for the first time, you know, it's your first time for everything and you've got to make sure you celebrate it because, you know, if you're not overjoyed at the prospect of having your book, you know, who, who else is going to be, you know, besides your family, you know, you're your first, you should, you're your first fan after all, I mean, or at least you should be. I mean, so, you know, you've got to celebrate, you know, the, the good times. Is your mom not your first fan? <laughs> other than her, other than her. <laughs> but I say your mom's going to go out and buy as many copies as she can. I mean, come on. Oh, for sure she is. <laughs> her critique of it was when I first gave it to her was, oh, it's very spacey. It's very spacey. Like it's <laughs> she's, an English, she's an English teacher at university level, so I'm not sure. So I'm, I'm, so I'm, I hope that was not her best uh, response. So you should, you should have put that as a verb. <laughs> Mom says very, very spacey. spacey. <laughs> My mom know? likes Sam's book better. <laughs> I love Sam. Sam's mom is the best. <laughs> Mine has too much blood. Sam's Aww. was better. <laughs> My mom's actually an incredible salesperson. She goes, she will bring out my book in the most ridiculous, shame-faced way. She, she has absolutely no hesitation in like, she'll text me. They, they went on this holiday, um, uh, a few, probably a few months after the book came out um, and they were, my parents were driving around um, saying various places. And I get texts from mom saying, I just told the guy at the petrol station to, um, to buy a book. And he said he would buy it for his daughter. <laughs> How do you do this? <laughs> She doesn't feel even a little bit embarrassed about it, which is awesome because I would never be able to bring up a, a book to yeah. a guy at a petrol station. So, you know, these people <laughs> advocating for us. I mean, that's what you want, right? You you want someone, you know, basically a PR person who's, you know, talks about your work nonstop, you know, like what, like, you, and you don't have to pay them. That's the best, the best thing, you know? Um, yeah, my mom doesn't do that, but my dad sure does. And <laughs> he, did that, he did it to some, he, I told him, you know, we were doing a job on a job somewhere where I work on a construction site and he told the guy next door about it. I'm like, dad, please stop talking about it. But it turned out the guy who was talking to won an Oscar for the production design on Mad Max Fury Road. And suddenly he was telling all his people, all his mates about it as well. So I've got no idea where that's going to be, but you know, you never know who your books are. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Dad. Yeah, well, some people have the personality where they can talk about their own work yeah. really comfortably and happily, and some of us do not have that personality, so we need mums, basically. <laughs> yeah. Or Dad. Yeah. Or Dad, yeah. yeah. What about you, Nick? Um, I, I mean, my roommate has the personality. He doesn't read. Like, I, don't, I can count on one hand how many books he's read, but he really likes talking about my book to anyone who will listen. Um, so he's a great salesman, even though he hasn't read it himself. Um, my girl, my so what, what happens is you tell him what to say, and then he goes and tells everybody. See, you think that, but he goes off the script real quick. Uh, oh, it's God. terrible. Um, and my, my girlfriend's written like a three-page essay of why she hates my main character with a passion of a thousand burning suns. Um, no, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, what was just not watching? <laughs> no, I, I, to be like, actually, but like, publishing is so like sitting in front of your computer, just writing for like months and weeks and days on end. I think there are a few moments that I actually kind of break 
like kind of the monotony of publishing where they're just like you get so elated that like you kind of want to like lean more into them if anything like like getting yeah. my uh, signing with my agent was one of them for me and i was like seeing the cover art is another big one holding it for the first time is a big one like there are a few moments that like literally like you think of wow all these like months of hard work toiling away in the darkness were is worth it they're really cool for like this one moment and like for me i like lean into those more when i get them to make you know everything else better and that's i think all you can do really that's also a depressing answer uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I will say I, I haven't I haven't found out where we're gonna find joyful answers out of any of the panelists so far. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, kidding. Obviously, we're finding joy in moms being PR uh, associates. So, um, but okay. So next kind of uh, loaded question: How stressful are deadlines? And some people may not want to answer this. Uh, uh, wait, I'll answer this because my book's due in uh, two days. Uh, um, you look very happy and relaxed, Nick, just on his book. <laughs> you weren't here for the beginning, yeah. Yeah, um, like uh, deadlines are terrifying and scary, uh, to be blunt. Um, especially, and I can only speak for, I think, book two, um, is that there's that initial panic where. I, I finished my first book. My agent really likes it. And my, my agent's very editorial. He like goes over everything before it even gets to my editors. So for me, submitting it to him was just like this moment of like, oh God, did I do it? But please say I like pulled it off and I'm not just like a one trick pony. Um, and those deadlines never, like that, the closer it gets to the deadline, I feel like the more panic and worry I got where I was like, can I do this again? Can I do this again? And like the first time you're ready, he's like, yeah, this is good. I'm like, Oh, thank you. Um, it kind of makes the deadlines a little bit easier, but even then, like, it, it's terrifying. Deadlines are never easy. And that's, like I said, mine's in two days. And I'm like, I'm not going to sleep in like probably like 12 hours. So it's great. Wonderful, wonderful time. Maybe I, maybe I should stop answering questions. I see why you're so like <laughs> depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else want to? Yeah, more my deadline, you know, is a few weeks after my book after book one launches. So that's kind of fun. And at the moment it's sitting at two hundred thousand words and it needs to be hundred and eighty thousand words. And I have not edited any of it at all except for maybe the first five first hundred pages of seven hundred pages. So that's some the next month of my life is obviously going to be a lot of fun. Uh yeah, and you know, never mind that whole chunks of it need to be completely cut out and rewritten. Uh, so it's just the thing about deadlines is that you know when you work here on book one, you know you've got all the time in your world, the world because you don't have to deliver, you don't have anyone that you owe it to. You know you're on your own schedule, but as soon as the contract comes in and the money comes in, you know oh you know I'm a writer now, I've got to write, and it's not just a matter of you know rocking up and writing what you want to write. Like you know you've got to keep a schedule and you've got to deliver, and especially if you've outlined you've sold the book on a synopsis there's this temptation to uh, you know go along with what you've said you're going to write so the pressure's a lot a lot more on so it can feel a lot more you know mechanical to write a second book um but at the same time you know i think you've really got just got to go with your gut and you know 
if you say to your editor, you know, okay, this is a lot to take on, I'd like a month, or I would like a few extra weeks to really nail this. I don't think any reasonable editor is going to say, no, you can't, you're bad author, you know, you've got to deliver now. Um, so, it, but you also have to make sure that you're having fun, I guess, and writing the stuff that you want to write about, because otherwise, what's the point? And, uh, or maybe that's just me trying to be hopelessly naive as the deadlines come crashing in and my editor comes hacking at the door with an axe. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's my just It makes me feel better. Jillian will come with a bow and arrow, not an axe. Well, considering who, her, considering who Jillian's father-in-law is, she is uh... opening down doors with axes. Johnny! So, you know. Uh... Yeah, I uh, I have a, a deadline in four weeks too. So you know, this seems to be like a, a theme we have going on here. Um, <laughs> that's for book three. But uh, I I had a bit of a baptism of fire with mine. So I don't find uh, that the deadlines are quite as scary as they used to be, uh, because when uh, Orbit bought my books, they also bought bought the uh, three books of my original trilogy, and I had to edit those back to back in the second half of last year. Uh, while I was also editing Storm uh, at the same time. So I had like deadlines that piled on top of each other. You know, I had a structural edit at the same time that I had a copy edit and I had to fit both of them into a three week period because uh, that was how tight our deadlines were. I had a three day line edit in which I rewrote five chapters, uh, you know, so. <laughs> I had no choice but to be like, all right, I'm just going to do this. I literally sat at my computer for 16 hours a day, uh, didn't do anything else. My partner did everything he was an absolute gem um but yeah so it means that whenever i have these deadlines that are just one thing so you know i just have to get book three in and then the copy edits of book two come two days later i'm like yes two days off and they're not stacking and overlapping <laughs> so yeah deadlines i don't know they, they they really suck uh but i just don't want to do that again I think I have a really uneasy relationship with deadlines because um, there's a part of, of present Sam who always assumes that based on the fact that I've had to do a lot of last minute horrendous things in school and at work and um, as well as in writing over time. There's some part of present Sam that always thinks future Sam thrives on pressure. She'll pull it off. That will be fine. Um, forgetting that, um, you know, when you're actually living it, it's a horrible, horrible nightmare. Um, I've, I've had a few I've had a few sort of um, dramas trying to get deadlines done most recently um, trying to get the uh, uh, the draft of my second book uh, in when my editor wanted to change the outline um, kind of six weeks before the deadline so I um, had a very horrible six weeks in which I wrote an obscene amount of words um, and um, Tasha Suri uh, told me this trick, which when she had to write a lot of words in a weekend, she just played the same um, song over and over again um, continuously. And I thought, that sounds nuts. So the last couple of days before my deadline, I had this nutty, like, pet music from one of Amazon's mixes. And I just had that running on the huge loop on for, you know, yeah. like, a 
<laughs> I didn't sleep at all the night before it was due. Um, so I wrote for like 36 hours straight or some insane amount of time. Anyway, so deadlines are terrible. And if you can avoid doing that, that would be um, my advice. Yeah, don't don't try to write 80,000 words in five weeks. I think we're all gluttons for punishment because all of our books, as far as I know, are at least 150,000 words, if not more. I'm pretty sure at least Sam's like, because Sam, City of Lives is like, what, 185K? So, yes. Yes. So, yes. Hollow Empire <laughs> is currently well north of 200. Yeah, exactly. Um, gluttons for punishment. Yeah. We do this to yeah. ourselves. We can't complain. <laughs> I know. I dream. I dream of writing these hundred thousand word books that other people talk about. A hundred, tiny. I would love it. Like it's you guys' resisting <laughs> story. <laughs> I never set out to write books that long. Not ever. Yeah. I always think, oh yeah. I can't. I can't imagine that you do. Yeah, I can't imagine that you just said you're like, I'm gonna write a hundred thousand words, and then like, there's no way I can get this entire story done in that. And you're like, well, I could, I could make it into like, you know, certain sequels, but you know, at at some point, you're like, I want to get everything out in this one to get to a certain point, so I can get to the next one. Um, but before we move on, I, I have to know because everybody's had a different answer so far. I need to know, Scott, what, what are your thoughts on deadlines? <laughs> Staying quiet for a reason. Uh, <laughs> no, I I, uh, I have a, a deadline in eleven days. Uh, uh, I I have kind of a, a you know <laughs> a hot and cold relationship with it, like like Sam and some of the others. Um, God, uh, so I have I have a five year old girl. Five year old girls are fantastic. Like she's my favorite thing in the whole wide world, but. Uh, she she has my attention span, and so every five minutes, uh, you know, it's hey dad, and and her favorite thing to say is hey dad, will you come keep me some company? And how do you say no to that? You know, uh, I know, right? And she's adorable. I wish I had a, a picture or her, but I you know I sent her upstairs with my wife. Uh, but it it's so hard uh, because you always in or at least i do i inevitably put everything off until uh, uh it's act absolutely critical because stuff happens you know especially now with this well all this quarantine shit and just the stuff that happens in in real life when you you know you have jobs you have families whatever it is uh but at the same time the i mean deadlines get me going right like i'm i'm so much more productive in the uh, i don't know one two three months before a deadline than I am any other time because up until that point I feel like oh yeah I'm, I'm doing work uh, you know I'm, I'm outlining <laughs> and I'm thinking about it and thinking really hard yeah yeah, yeah yeah I'm living in my world and, and, and <laughs> yeah and it's all it's all great until right now when I've got a book due in eleven days and a lot of writing to do so. But importantly, future Scott thrives on that pressure, right? Oh, future Scott is the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish we could all be future Scott. Uh, if but he's it's alive, he's a great guy. Yeah, it's all fuel for your writing. So you know, that's every single t every single glass of beer I drink and every single episode of BoJack Horseman or Ozark that I watch. You know, I'm just doing it to enhance my writing. I'm doing it to you know, nurture my work. So, so every single episode and every glass of beer, I'm doing it for you, readers. I'm doing it for you, and I want you to know that. 
You know, Paul Kruger said something uh, similar in the last panel. He said, all the ice cream he eats and all the anime he watches is for the reader. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, uh, kind of, uh, kind of saying with that topic, how lenient are, I guess, your editors or and or publishers with extending deadlines? I'm, I'm assuming they don't like it, but you know, you know, how lenient are they on it? Like if it's, I guess it's different if it's a debut versus a sequel or if it's, you know, your second series or whatever, but I, I would imagine the first couple of books are like, no, you're going to finish this now. Now, I can answer this because my book uh, was delayed four months. It was originally supposed to come out in February 20, but because the U.S. were running a little bit late and edits, our edits were running late, um, we decided to delay it. And we thought, you know, give, give the extra time will give us more time to go to the U.S. And then a pandemic happened and the U.S. just, uh, you know, collapsed. The publishing kind of collapsed in on itself in some ways. And so the U.S. book deal didn't happen. And we're releasing in 18 days, and we still don't have a U.S. deal, and so we delayed it for nothing. So yay! Um, but the, but because of that, the one advantage was a book, the deadline for book two was supposed to be in January. So I basically got a six-month deadline extension because uh, as a result of that delay, which is a great thing because if I didn't if I didn't have that come January, I would have been screwed nine ways from Sunday. So I am very grateful for that. So it kind of worked out in the end, um, but no, like I, as I, I think I said a little bit earlier, like I talked to them, or I talked to Jillian and my editor and John, my agent, and they were both very much of the mind, like you know, well, if you need extra time, do it. You know, if you, you know, you we send you the edit letter and you're like, okay, this is a lot to take on. I'd like a few weeks, or I'd like you know some time to process this. Then absolutely take that. But it's just about communication. I mean, if you just dumped it on you know two day two months late on the desk i don't think they'd be really really you know uh happy about that but it's it's always a conversation you know just like editorial is a conversation you know i mean you get the impression you go on some places that i'm not going to name <clears throat> reddit that um publishing you know is basically a one-sided you know a, a, you know higher up monarchy of you know editors and that sort of thing that feed off the lifeblood of authors dreams that you must do this you must do that you know you've got to deliver. We're going to take your baby away and give it a new name and a new <laughs> and, you know, reprogram it like something out of, you know, an AI movie. But in reality, it is very much a conversation and being able to talk with them one-on-one -on -one and say, you know, I would like this extra time. I would like to be able to, you know, do this, this way. Would you be willing to give me that extra leave to really make the story work? Then sure. They will, they'll go along with it. Yeah. I think we do some of that fear to ourselves though, you know, like uh, I think yeah, you know, yeah. authors are usually, you know, fairly uh, introverted, stressed humans. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I mean, the, uh, you know, the whole, oh, but if I ask for a deadline or like anything in particular, you know, then you are going to be the annoying diva or the, you know, your 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 editor's least least favorite author. Oh, maybe they'll drop you for being irritating. You know, like all those silly little kind of paranoid fears. I think a lot of that is just, you know, I think we do that to ourselves more than publishing does. And then, yeah, it kind of gets a bit perpetuated by uh, people who don't uh, know what it's really like on the inside. Uh, as for deadlines, I've only asked for the one extension for this one. Um, 
so it used to be due on the 1st of June. Uh, and just with everything that has been going on, because, you know, I, I have uh, the uh, four-year-old child at home. <laughs> so I know that, that pain. Uh, um, it's just not, I just, I just wrote to my editor a couple of weeks back and I said, look, it's, uh, look, I could get it to you. I could. It won't be as good. <laughs> uh, you know, so if there is any way, can I please have some? And she gave me the extra two weeks uh, and just said, you know, is this going to be okay? Do you think that will be enough? Uh, you know, I assume if I'd said that it wasn't, given that my books are coming out six monthly, they might have then considered uh, shifting the release date or something. Um, but, you know, two weeks was fine for me. But it was a really easy, you know, I was kind of a bit stressed about asking because I hadn't done so before. But I think because I'd proved that I could hit really stupidly ridiculous deadlines before, I felt a little bit more confident saying, hey, uh, can I have a teensy bit more time? And it was it was really easy and really cool. So I think it's all right. Anybody else? Yeah, I think one of the things that um, you don't really you don't really get any visibility of this when you're not actually in the industry is is the kind of production schedule and where everything falls and and whether and how there's any flexibility in that. Um, so you know you might and now that publishers are starting to do different kinds of release schedules, that's not so much a one book a year process, and they're experimenting with um, more regular releases uh, a lot more often. Um, usually, there's like there's a there's a period of time in which they want you to have your book done, but there's they do build in some buffer. So if something goes wrong and it takes longer, you've got more time without um, without screwing everything up for everybody else. But I think it's something that um, a lot of the time authors don't necessarily know what all of those critical dates are and that can make that can kind of contribute to that feeling of oh god i can't ask for any extra time because i'll screw everything up and my editor will hate me and it's just like uh well, like i said most most of it you're doing to yourself um but also it's partly a product of the industry being a bit opaque um and a lot of the times i think that um editors don't necessarily know how how little we know about these things um so sometimes they assume that you know that the world's not going to end if um something gets moved around but um you feel like it's gonna end i mean i'm in a weird position because um obviously my book got bumped by like a year and a half from when it was supposed to be out um so that was less a question of um kind of asking for more time and more like um my editor wanted a different book <laughs> so, um yeah yeah um, but it's I gonna think be it's, an oh, amazing yeah, book Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> After all this time, I really hope so, David. This feels like uh, well, I've read like group therapy for me. Like, <laughs> 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 like hearing, hearing everybody else, like my, my book was uh, my first book was supposed to publish um, in September of this year originally, and it's it's now been pushed. Um, last I heard, at least uh, till May of twenty twenty one. Uh, and it, it's mostly just because you know we've we moved across the country for uh, my my wife's uh, new job and uh, some other things, so you know it, it, it had to happen. But uh, it, yeah, my my experience with uh, my my one editor at least and my agent is, man, they're they are so nice, you know, like they they're so understanding. Mm -hmm. They know what's going on. Um, I think the stress it. Is because of what Sam said, right? It, it's uh, or is she on this side? Yeah, she's on that side. Um, <laughs> uh, the industry is a little bit opaque, right? And and I don't know when 
pushing a, a, a date is like, oh yeah, that's that's cutting into my planned slush uh, uh, time or whatever. Or if I'm like really screwing her over and she and and my editor has to go find you, you know do days and days of work and find a, a, a new slot for me and and shuffle stuff around. I don't know, and so I always assume the worst because I've you know I've been a project manager for on a lot of projects where you know somebody doesn't deliver and it causes me a lot of stress. Uh, so, yeah. so I, I kind of internalized that on, on her behalf. She probably wishes I internalized it a little more, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I mean, for the most part, I, I mean, I, I think the publishing industry is full of really, really good humans. I'm, I'm, I, I've been really impressed with them so far. It ended on a happy note. <laughs> oh, wait, do you want me to add on a... Maybe happy note. <laughs> um, happy place. You start spoiling Nick. He's in his happy place. It's a happy place, but it may not make people happy at me. Um, yeah. I, I guess I'll just explain. Um, my book, my book was meant to be published in September 2019, and for a lot of reasons, it got bumped all the way to March 2020. And in that time, I had already submitted my like second book. So my book kind of just sat in like limbo for like multiple months where I was like, is it being edited? Is it not being edited? Do I have a deadline anymore? And, and then that, when they, to the point when, when they sent it back to me for edits, it didn't come with a deadline. It just came with like, here's your edits back. And I was like, I was talking to my agent. I'm like, is this book just whatever I want to return it? And he was like, I don't know. We'll figure this out later. <laughs> Work on it until someone says different. I'm Ron Murray. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. It was, like, we, it was literally me being like, "Is this due?" And it was like, "We don't have a release date for book two yet. I don't know." Um, and then, like, you know, two weeks late, uh, like two weeks ago, my editor contacts me and be like, "Hey, how's book two going?" And I'm like, "When was it due?" And he's like, "I don't know, two weeks." And I'm like, "All right, two weeks." <laughs> um, but it, it really is like. Once you know like how you're in the production schedule, you can get you can like figure out how much deadline you can ask. Like for like copy edits or like page proofs, you don't really can't ask for extensions on those. But like especially when you're beginning, you're like, oh, we know we're like this many months away. I can probably ask for like another few weeks to get this done. Um, but every everyone's the same. Like I've had wonderful times. Like if I ever need more time, like my editor even said when he's like, hey, it can be due in two weeks. Like if you need more time, because what's going on, take it. I'll give you the time, and that was we me without even asking for it. He, everyone in publishing, I think, is very good with like being like, "Hey, like take the time you need to make the book well. This is when we'd like it as." And I'm almost confident they have one date they ask for it, and there's one date they actually like need it by. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which which honestly, I know what we're like. Yeah, exactly. They know what we're all like. They've been working and publishing. Like they know, like the first deadline is like wishy washy, and we all go from there. Uh, but yeah, it's everyone in publishing is really nice with like giving us the time. At least I, what I've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, at least really, for you five. Yeah, <laughs> it could be horrible for some other people. <laughs> it was. It's really good to know. I mean, you know, uh, I was talking to my editor last year, and you know, I was talking to her about you know getting blurbs. You know what sort of promotion we're going to do what sort of marketing we're going to do what sort of how we're going to reach out get more readers and she said to me you know look what moves the needle along is making the best book possible you possibly can 
that's what gets into the most readers that's what gets the most readership that's what gets people talking delivering delivering the best product you possibly can so you know if you need a few extra weeks to make that make that product good you know like devin was saying you know i can do it but it won't be as good if i don't do it in a few weeks then sure your editor is going to say you know we'll take that take that few weeks i mean obviously circumstances are different with copy edits it's not as flexible and uh but you know if you need that time to make it good then sure, they'll give it to you. I'm going to add one thing in real quick, um, just because even I said it. Um, I actually know an author who actually changed a lot of their ending in page proofs, and their editor actually gave them the time and like resources to do it just wow. because they had like, because they were like, this is going to make a better book. Like, editors really want to put the best book out there, and they'll do whatever they can to do it. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. I just wanted to end it on like a, there actually are exceptions to the rule, even I said. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, next, I guess you can call it a question. It's kind of a statement. Uh, oh but so so your your book is ready to be published. Uh, the worries are over, right? Hi. Right? <laughs> it, it, it's all it's all happy stuff now, right? <laughs> yeah, totally, hundred percent happy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Straight face. Oh, we're failing from that point. <laughs> I mean, my, my stresses, yeah, my stresses might be a little bit different, right? Because it sounds like all of you have books that kind of go into the production cycle, and then and then you you're on to book two or three or whatever, and, and move along the production cycle. So uh, having uh, having a trilogy sold and writing a trilogy all as one uh, is a blessing and a curse because I'm able to kind of craft it all as one and write it all as one and go back and change stuff but I go back and change stuff like a lot. Right. And like, I can't, I, I've probably had, since I had the final version into my uh, editor, I've probably had like five, six different times that I've compiled a little list as I'm writing other books, books two and three, that I say, oh, okay, well shit, this needs to change in book one. And, and it's like a whole list of stuff that I have to go back and find, uh, you know? So uh, it, they're going to have different answers probably. But for me, I, I feel, I almost feel like, until my editor prizes all three books away from me, I, I I'm never done, and I'm I'm just always stressed about all of them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Anybody else? There's, there's no way to ever be done with these things. I picked up I picked up City to do a um a reading like I don't know a couple of months after it came out and opened it up and there's a there's a mistake in like the second page or something. Um, <laughs> like how, with the number of people who read these things, like how do you manage to go through and be like, that guild doesn't exist. <laughs> Sorry, why did you mention it on page two? Anyway, um, <laughs> you can you can just fiddle forever is the thing with these things. You The longer the time that you have available, the more you can still be. Like I'm doing copy edits right now, just look at them trying to think through as much cutting as I can because the book is so long. Um, and yeah, like if you leave it with me, I'll just keep doing that forever. So yeah, once, they've got to pry it off your hands eventually and then you've got to just accept that that's that, that, that's it. <laughs> yeah, see that's like uh, Christopher Rocchio did a reading earlier for his uh, book coming out in July called Demon in White. It's the third book in his uh, Sun Eater trilogy, or I guess it's series. He, he did say he was going to try to write five books. So we'll say series. Uh, but during his reading, he caught mistakes that have to go get corrected now. And his book comes out in two months. 
<laughs> so, so I mean, it, there's always going to be something. I mean, I've I've read many, uh, you know, a published novel, whether indie or trade. You know, granted, indie, you're always going to probably find mistakes because a lot of people don't get, you know, their books edited when they're when they're indie publishing. But there have been several, you know, traditionally published novels that I'll find uh, grammatical errors or mispunctuation and stuff like that. And unfortunately, it bothers me when I find it because. I used to, to do beta reading and, uh, and gamer reading and stuff for indie uh, authors. Uh, this is back before I really started getting in the review game. Uh, and so every book I read now, granted, arcs don't bother me as much because I'm, I'm expecting it, but it drives me absolutely up the wall. And I early on, I started messaging authors. And I was like, hey, um, just FYI, uh, on this page um, – this is not a word, <laughs> and and the people are like, uh, well, it's already you know hardcover, paperback, everything. <laughs> I go, I mean, you could change the ebook, maybe. I mean, a couple of other people may still buy it, <laughs> you know. So, uh, I, you know, it, I can't imagine it's ever done. I mean, you know, you publish a book and then it's on to the next book, but your, I guess, your job on the first one or the next one, or whatever, is never complete because you'll still get, I, I guess, a few things later on in the years or, uh, you know, you'll still have people griping about uh, certain things in your book for years to come. Uh, I, I'm sure none of you have ever had that, right? Yeah. Nobody never has ever complained about one certain thing in any book, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> everybody's just, everybody's just, you know, unicorns and rainbows when it comes to talking about books. Um <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, people I, people must seriously have a hobby with going through and finding errors because with every single book, without fail, you will get someone on Goodreads complaining about some minor inconsistency or whatever. And you're like, how on hell did you find it out of the whole book? Like, you've been going with a late, like with a magnifying glass to find this. Like, Look, I, yeah, I think but, this, is, this is one of those things where when you're not when you're not in the industry, it seems like how can there possibly be errors like it just seems like carelessness you work in your day job and you prepare a document of some kind you wouldn't expect to to be putting like i'm a lawyer in my day job and i would never be sending an advice to a client that has spelling mistake in it um and so it feels like i think when i was a reader when i was much younger if i found errors in books and i did because i was a really pedantic reader um i would be like oh this is, you know someone was so careless and you have that kind of attitude because you think that 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 it's a reflection of carelessness and you don't realize that it just it's just inevitable with big documents um, that, that sometimes errors creep in. They creep into um, manuscripts by incredibly big, famous authors. Um, and it's not a matter of people being careless. Like everyone's, the author's read it a million times. They've got readers who are reading it. They've got the editors reading it and the copy editors read it. And there's usually, um, you know, other people who come in from the um, publisher who read it at a late stage and just try to pick things up. Errors just happen anyway, and I think it's something you don't really know until you're in the industry. You don't know how common that is. So I, I, I sympathise with readers who see errors and think um, that it's not because, it, like, in a way it is. Um, but yeah, it's just something. It's something you just have to deal with. There's like especially, especially with kids that write Robin Hobbs big final books. book. There's like a, a mistake in the name of a character that appeared in one of the print versions of it, and they didn't even know where it came from. Like it was not in the file when it got sent to typesetting and it just appeared and it's just one of those things that 
just happens. They happen. I don't know how it happens, but it does. Somebody at the printer was like, let's screw this one thing up. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even seem possible that this happens, but yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, I mean, I, I can... Go ahead, Jeremy. I was to say, if it makes you feel any better, when I was first doing my... getting my proofs, I think, I was looking through it, and I'm like, oh, the word count changed. Maybe my Jillian, she cut more than I thought. Then I looked at it more closely again. Chapter four, the whole of chapter four was missing. The whole of the chapter was completely gone. Uh, do we want to fix this before it goes printer, please? They're like, oh, I don't know how that happened. I'm like, well, how did it happen? It didn't happen on my end. It couldn't have happened on my end. Like, I sent it in. So what did you did this? But they were like, yeah, it happens. You know, like my... Uh, my agent actually told me that something similar had happened to one of the Wheel of Time books. Uh, like, it, printed copies had actually been oh, sold, yeah. come out, and there was, absolutely, like, absolutely parts of it missing. So, There's you know. actually the, um, the print version of the arc that came out for my book in the UK and Australia and New Zealand. Um, there was a mistake at the printers, and the, uh, like, dedication and acknowledgement section of the arc got accidentally switched with the dedication and acknowledgement section of a different author's book. So we have two books <laughs> coming out. Um, I think they both had City in the title, but that was the only resemblance. One was a crime novel and one was mine. Uh, and they printed the arcs, and so my acknowledgements and, um, and dedication are, are in somebody else's book and vice versa. And hilariously, the dedication in my book that got printed in the arcs is for Sam. <laughs> So it looks like I did it. <laughs> 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 it's amazing. That's it. <laughs> and I'm doing so that. Music. Everyone Everyone home, see... We can't top that. We can't top that. Yeah. <laughs> the acknowledgement of the author was thanking someone um, who was like a wasp expert. There must have been insects in their book for some reason. Um, and she was like, oh, thanks to Wasp Woman on Twitter or whatever. So I call those arcs the Wasp, the special Wasp edition. And if anyone ever produces one for me, I will draw a Wasp and sign it and underline the for Sam and explain how, you know, I put the work in so the book is for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've got to make the best of it. I just want to thank myself for finally finishing the Star Wars. Yeah. Nobody else, know. nobody helped me in this journey. <laughs> I hope that Wasp is the insect type and not the acronym stands for white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Let's hope that th it was the insect type. It was type, definitely the insect. Okay, it was good. Definitely the insect. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it was like there must have been like a wasp involved in one of the crimes in the novel or something. Okay. Yeah, by wasp. <laughs> it's really uh, interesting that they would like point that out the acknowledgments. Like thanks to my wasp experts. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now I really I want an arc of your book that has that in there. I, I kind of feel like that's a keepsake. Yeah, just look, it's a special collector's edition. Yeah, you want something someday. <laughs> uh, um, so I talked about, uh, and I told you guys that I was going to roll over probably some stuff from earlier panels. But um, when it comes to sending your books out for blurbs and uh, reviews, not for reviewers themselves, but for like, you know, your Kirkus and your Publishers Weekly and stuff. Uh, do you guys like have any say in who reads them? Like, do you, do you pick and choose? And, and Devin, you may be able to, you know, a little different since you came from indie to, to uh, traditional, um, you know, did, did you have the opportunity to maybe pull some, some blurbs from some of the reviews you had gotten before you got the book deal? And then everybody else can kind of answer to their stuff. Um, I think, well, 
Orbit had already uh, done that with uh, some of the reviews that were there and some of the ones they had on like Amazon and stuff. Uh, when it comes to like the when they send it out for blurbs, um, when I first got my contract, they sent me like a questionnaire, you know, and it's got, you know, you, you're asked to list like, you know, all of the uh, sort of people, I suppose, that you personally have a connection with that might be, uh, you know, good to send for blurbs, even if they're like librarians or journalists or anything. They just want to know, you know, what kind of connections that you have. Uh, and then they use that as well as like their own lists and whatever. And I was sent like a draft list of uh, people to send uh, that they would send uh, blurb requests to uh, and you know my agent was allowed to have uh, some input and uh, you know we took people off the list we added people on the list and obviously not all of those people ended up reading it for blurbs but that was the people that they ended up contacting so I had uh, a bit of input in that um, which was good and scary we loved it yeah, <laughs> and Sam had already read it and blurbed it. She was ahead of it. Uh, yeah, so it, it is really scary because then you know who it's being sent to. I think you know it might have been nicer just to like get the blurbs as they came in and go, oh, such and such read it, without knowing all of the people that it was sent to who didn't end up reading it or sitting there kind of nervous, thinking, oh my god, this person that I really admire is gonna hate it. So I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah, well. mine came like mine came like that as like a surprise thing. So I didn't. I got the questionnaire as well when I first got the book, but like I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any like industry connections. I didn't even have like beta readers or anything. I just kind of entered the industry, never having spoken to uh, another person about writing other than like my <laughs> sister and husband. Um, so I kind of came in as a complete noob um, in many ways. Um, uh, with one notable exception, which was that I knew Robin Hobb. Um, so she had volunteered to read my book um, uh, and and did so and, and blogged it for me, which was incredibly awesome of her. But everybody else, I didn't know when it was going to go to them or who it had been sent to or whatever. I would just occasionally get these emails popping in my inbox and be like, Kate Elliott said this about your book. And you'd be like, oh my God, Kate um, but it would have been much worse if I'd known, like, Dev, if I knew that she was reading it before I got the blurb, then I would have been awful. Um, and I would have, like, assumed the worst. If, like, I know now, you know, you don't, there's nothing malicious about not having time to read a book. Like, authors get heaps of books and you don't have time. You've got a million other commitments. And it's totally fine. And you know that objectively. But if you know somebody you really admire and like is reading a book, and they don't produce a blurb, then you just assume that you're the worst person in the world, that a terrible hack, and um, that they hate you, and everything that you've ever written, etc. So <laughs> it's much nicer when they just arrive without any forewarning. Um, I guess I'll go. <laughs> um, so, like, I knew one person about it. Uh, my editor actually went pretty was clear about it. I'm not going to tell you who I'm sending it to um, because the way he said it is like look, you can be friends with people even if they don't like your book in the industry and it's better not for you to worry about it. Um, and he was very, very clear on that. It's a very and even, healthy attitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's way healthier than I was. Like, he was like, I was like, oh, can I know? And he's like, no. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, absolutely not. Uh, I'm like, all right. And then he explains to me and I understood. Um, I only knew one person who had it because they actually had told me themselves they had it. Um, and that was terrifying because I, had real, I have a lot of respect for them as a writer. And knowing they had my book being like, oh man, how many times I use curses in my book? Are they going to hate it? 
Uh, not a fun experience. Um, but that was it. And I only knew one. Uh, and their blurb came in. And it was nice. It was very kind of like, oh, shit. Uh, moment um and then all the all the blurbs that come in are just kind of like oh shit again uh you, you yeah. hear someone your specs say nice things about your book and you're like oh wow i'm not a complete hack i thought i was um but yeah blurb, blurbing's weird like uh i don't know it once i got like, once we we're into i'm gonna i need to stop being pressing um once you get into publishing you realize we, how weird blurbing is it's it's a lot of like some authors just really just don't have time for it. Some authors are very like strict on what they blurb and what they don't blurb, and everyone has their own take on what they do and what they don't do. So even if they like absolutely hate their hate your book, which they probably don't, they just probably never read it. But it feels like they hated your book because they blurb it. Um, I need to stop being real. Let's stop. I'll, I need to go back to being happy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> because you have a deadline coming up. That's why exactly. Yeah, I'm too realistic. I got a deadline in two days. I can't. Why are I you can't. here? <laughs> well, the people. You're very who... good at beating out those. Thank you. What's That's up, Jerry? Well, the people who blurbed my book, like I just, um, I definitely didn't just lock them all in my basement, chain them all in my basement, and you know, f uh, feed them scraps of meat until they just, until they, you know. <laughs> would shower me with all the praise that I deserve, that my literary masterpiece deserves. You know, I definitely didn't do that. You can ask Nick, he blurbed it, and I definitely didn't leave them chained up in the basement like that. It was uh, a nice trip to Australia, though. I got to admit. It was a nice, it was a nice basement. Yeah. I, I even gave you water. I mean, it was brown water, but it was still. <laughs> I'd never been to Australia before. It was a great time. I mean, you didn't get to see much of it from the basement, though. <laughs> no, but now it is it is nice to get really uh, blurbs. I got the same thing. I got a questionnaire, like, who would you like to send this book out to? And I'm like, hmm, uh, this famous person, this person, this person with the, with this amount of coverage. And, you know, it's, it's really nice that, you know, you get to send that, know that they would have had a copy of your book, but then the, the nerve-wracking thing starts, you know, am I, are they reading it? Do they like it? Have they not said anything? And then you end up, you know, scouring their Twitter and their Goodreads and their Amazon pages to see if they've liked it or are reading it or saying anything about it. And if they aren't, you get worried. And that definitely doesn't happen uh, at all. And I definitely didn't do that. Um, but no, it is, when the blurbs do come in, it is really nice. Um, yeah, like I, it's funny with me because I've, I'm one of the, uh, as a rarity on this whole convention, I'm a science fiction writer, not a fantasy writer. And 90% of our blurbs came from fantasy writers. And we were like, my editors were like, okay, this is good, but we would like a sci-fi author to, to blurb. And I'm like, yeah, but fantasy as well. Fantasy is good. And I'm like, yes, fantasy is good, but we want people in your genre to be talking about a book <laughs> in that genre. So, so I'm like, okay, good. I, anything's good, right? But then another blurb comes in. Oh, it's another fantasy author. Another blurb comes in. Oh, it's a horror writer this time. Still good, right? They're like, yeah, but we would like some science fiction writers. Uh, but so it's a bit of a weird process. Um, but honestly, like any, you know, praise that you do get is is nice, especially if you are a fan of their books as well. Uh, yeah, it's a bit, it is a bit of a weird process because you have absolutely no control over it whatsoever. You have control over your deadlines. You have control over what you write. But like a lot of things in publishing, you have zero control over who reads your book, who get whose name gets printed alongside it, and uh, that sort of thing. And my editor actually told me that when, like most authors, don't actually start out with blurbs. So she said, you know, Jabba Crombie, Richard Morgan, Alistair Reynolds, 
uh, all of them, like they didn't start out with a single blurb on their books when they went to print. So right. even the fact that you have a print blurb at all is a good thing. So That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah I, was surpri I was surprised as well because I just assumed you know, everyone would be clamoring to read their books. But no, a lot of authors don't actually start out with blurbs. And as far as I know, all of us do have blurbs on our books, uh, even you know before they came out. So that that alone is a good thing. Scott will get some. You know, like chaining people up in basements. Yeah, a really good motivator, I, I found. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah after hearing you guys. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. No, I was saying oh, torture is a good motivator. <laughs> go ahead, Scott. Oh, I was just going to say that after hearing all you guys uh, uh, go through your story, I'm glad that my editor is pretty secretive as well. She, under no circumstances, would give me the list of people that she sent it to. <laughs> I said, okay, well, like, will you send it to these, like, maybe three or four people really like them? And, like, I've, I've at least talked to them before. I, I you know, I, don't, I, I didn't come into the industry with any uh, connections, not even Robin Hobb. Um, <laughs> uh, but, I mean, she wouldn't even tell me if she was sending it to them. So, like, I'm kind of, like, scared to even ask anybody, like, hey, did you get, did you get a copy of my book? I don't even know. Um, it, it, it's a weird experience for sure. So you just start DMing people on Twitter, be like, "Hey, did you happen to get a copy of a manuscript? Did, if you did, did you like it? Like, <laughs> I'll send you the ebook. If you didn't, could you like not tell anybody? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just burn it. Yeah, yeah. Can, can can you still like be okay with me? You can just not like my writing, but you know, I I, I kind of I kind of look up to you a little bit, you know. Um. So, uh, as far as cover art goes, um, obviously you all have different publishers and probably different ways of, you know, how they do, you know, cover art where that they just find somebody and they show it to you and you're like, yeah, or nay, which you, you probably can't say nay. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of publishers are like, no, this is going to be it. Um, but do y'all ever have a hand, uh, in what the cover is going to look like? Yeah, I, I had complete control over it, basically. Like, it was a conversation from step, like, you know, step one. They said, you know, what would you like the style to be? What would you like, you know, the color palette? Would you like the sort of genre that you would like to represent? And I said from the straight straight on, you know, I would really like to get the idea of um, space, but, as, like, you know, a space opera, but combined with urban grittiness, something like, you know, Blade Runner crossed with Mass Effect, that you get the idea of, you know, the streets and urban grittiness but then you can go up and you can see the ships and stars and planets and that sort of thing and you know I, I said to them i would like to basically make it look like gotham in space and they did exactly that like i first saw it i couldn't believe wow they actually got it right and we went through a few variations of it and we talked about it, everything from you know the figure to uh, you know, what sort of armor he'd be wearing and much if he was standing to the cover or to the back, if his back was to, back to the cover, uh, what the ships looked like, what the colors were, everything. Like even the font color, like it all was under discussion. And I was really surprised how much uh, input I got. Like it basically, like, you know, I, I didn't do any of the actual drawing of it and I didn't pay for it. But insofar as I'm concerned, like I actually helped make it. I had that much control over it. And uh, I've heard this is just my experience and other people will be able to have their input. But this is, I think, more common with UK publishers than US publishers, at least according to my agent. 
So, but in my case, I definitely had a lot of control over the UK cover. Yeah, I think that's pretty unusual, mm. that level of input. Mm. Like my publishers definitely like listen to the kind of covers that I said I liked. And, um, you know, they let me send pictures of other books that I liked the style of. And they were very like interested in what I had to say. But then, <laughs> then I just got an email saying, yeah, we're going in a totally different direction. I'm like, all right. <laughs> it's kind of uh, titles and covers. Like you can, generally speaking, Jeremy's experience is probably unusually involved. Um, generally speaking you don't you don't have control of any kind like i think you could definitely say if you hated it um and you can definitely give them ideas and things but ultimately it's a decision about marketing and these people will know their stuff like they're, they're our jobs to write the words um and it's a different skill set to know what the market wants and what sells and how you target a particular type of readers that you get and so on um like i was really lucky with my covers um i love them um but it wouldn't have been at all, like when we were talking about concepts originally for Zuby. So this is the this is the um, uh, US cover, um, which is a pencil drawing um, by Greg Ruth, and he's a just a wonderful, amazing graphite artist. Um, but like when we went from what the original design was to suddenly, oh no, actually we're going to go with like a single knife pencil drawn. Um, I was like, what? <laughs> totally different from what I expected. Um, but I mean, it turned out beautifully, and so this is like a good tale about how sometimes. The things that you think that you want um, aren't necessarily what's what's right for the book, um, and you can be really pleasantly uh, surprised on on covers. Um, but yeah, like it's generally speaking, especially debut authors don't have a lot of say in what your cover looks like. Um, and while publishers are interested in your viewpoint, ultimately you're not going to have the decision about what it looks like. Usually, usually. Jeremy seems to be an exception. <laughs> Oh, Jeremy, sorry. Uh, there. <laughs> no, I, was, I was just going to ask, though, about the whole input thing. Was that in the, your US or UK cover, like, that you had, uh, you know, got you got asked about the input? Um, so, well, the US publisher had already done the cover before the UK bought right the book. So um, it was already kind of done in that sense. And then the UK looked at the cover and were like, we're actually going to go with something different for our market. Um, and... No, I had even less input probably in the UK cover. Um, they just okay. showed what they No, because I'm really interested in how, you know, different covers can appear for the same book over the pond. Like, you know, and it's always to do with marketing, obviously, but, you know, yeah. there are some covers that are, you know, almost identical, but there are others that are worlds apart. And you wonder, you know, what prompted that? And, you know, which is, you know, yeah. which, which one did the author get some hand in? And, yeah. and which, which might be one's... neither. Like, US yeah. and UK markets are quite different in what... Like you see a lot of a lot more um, single image, um, like a single picture or, or symbol or whatever, uh, on UK covers, and a lot more um, like pictures of people and like faces and stuff on US ones, and it must yeah. just be a reflection of the market what they like. Yeah, because the UK covers of like Brandon Sanderson's are the Australian ones, like the the very minimalist. Like you know they've got white, and then they've all got you know some uh, sort of like different coloured mist going through them you know but they're very like clean simple but the uk the us ones are like these big you know epic style oil paintings uh yeah, you know and this, yeah, the we like cool. classical fantasy but the uk like the uk australian ones like gives you the impression this is sort of like a dishonored style world with like a minimalist you know uh, thing but you know the us is this big sprawling traditional epic fantasy but no i i find it really interesting the dip the how each of them differ and what the who the mm. catering to? Um, 
Yeah, I think it honestly comes down to marketing. Um, I've had input in all my covers, um, and I adore all my covers, so I'm like the worst person to ask. Um, but they definitely came to us, like, the U.S. and U.K. have two different covers. Um, I could show them right here, but I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> the, uh, for the U.K. Which one's the white one? We want to see the covers, firstly. Which one's so, the white one? I'll, I'll the explain U that one. one. Yeah, so this is my U.K. one. Um, yeah, okay, that's one I know. Yeah, Yeah. so this is my U.K. one. Um, and with that one, they came with, happy. hey, we want to go this style for this market. This is why we're going to put your main character on the cover, and we're going to do it in gray shading. They came out with me. That is what they wanted. I was like, great. That's awesome. Um, and there's, for this at least, the biggest part I had in this input was picking the color. Like, and there was positions of the person. That was kind of my input on it, which was a great problem to have when all I got to do is pick a person, a position for my cover, perfectly neon in the color. Um, so, like, that was my input on it. And they were like, we want to do this? And I was like, yeah. And for this is my US one. Um, and this one was actually a little interesting. Um, so what they came with the US, they were like, Hey, we want to do like, they wanted to be the eye catching thing on the moon. Um, and that was what he came as he said, we're going to do this. We're going to make it the eye popping thing. Um, but there's a version of this cover that has people on it. Um, it never made it to market. And I, I'm the only one besides my editor, my agent, we're the only two people who have ever seen that image where there's people on it. Um, and Got it was a very that I can slide to you. I'll hit you up later. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's really comes down to marketing and that image they have of people is wonderful. It's amazing. And I love it. It's actually my background to my computer right now, but looking at it from a marketing perspective, they are like, if it, we want this to be this eye catching image here and we're going to do it this way. Uh, and they're flat out like, this is what we want, we're going to do. And obviously, I, I adore my cover. Like, So then being like, oh, we're going to make this even just bigger. It's like, oh, no, what a terrible problem to have. Um, so I've gotten really lucky with my covers. Um, but it really does come down to marketing. Like, I can input. Like, I have a picture of my, like, what my sketch of my second cover book is going to look like for the U.S. And they allow me input. I was like, hey, we're doing, like, this thing what do you think about this? And I'd be like, oh, that looks a little X. Can we do maybe a little Y instead? And my editor will be like, great, that's exactly what I thought. We'll do that. I'm going to go back to them. And you never know how much input you have. Like, I could be like, oh, I hate it, which I don't. But like, and my editor could be like, you're wrong. And I'll be like, okay, go with it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, that's kind of what it seems like sometimes. And, um, but like they do know marketing like marketing i think is like the great thing us writers kind of have an idea on the marketing part we can swoop in and be like no we're doing it this way and everyone kind of goes along with it um but they they do know marketing really well like the people like they design covers for a specific reason i've heard someone go on for like two hours about why color choice matters in covers and it's insane where like they'll i have someone to dissect like what red, blue, and green all mean in covers and why they're important and why they're different. And it's fascinating here. At the same time, you're like, am I just being like hypnotized by every book cover I look at? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but That's like, what I intend to do. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty much like they know their job so well that we kind of have images in our head about what we want them to be. And they could be awesome, but like they know better than us at the end of the day, kind of.
Sometimes. Sometimes they're wrong. <laughs> Sometimes. There's yeah. a really good question in the comments. Someone asked, you know, is the UK covers include Australia and other Commonwealth nations? And in my experience, and as far oh, yeah. as I know, yes. The answer is yes. Yeah, yeah usually they the buy UK, um, UK Commonwealth rights, and it's one bundle, so the same publisher yeah. makes the decision for the cover in that region. Um, but certainly the case of mine, mine are, um, the Australian and New Zealand covers are the same as the UK one. Um, but it does it does obviously depend on how you bundle your rights when you're selling them. So um, if you were in Australia and you sold your rights here first for Australia and then sold them overseas, which I understand is a harder thing to do, um, you might have an Australian publisher with a different cover and um, uh, and then the new publishers will do it. Like it, it will also depend. Um, you either buy, uh, you might buy rights directly off the author or you might have a primary publisher who buys world rights and then they subsell rights. Um, so that kind of will, will um, factor in as well as to how much input the other publishers have. So my, um, like my tech covers, um, hang on, I've got one up there. Um, <laughs> so this is my tech version. So they like use the US art, um, but they sort of bought rights in the same way that the UK did. Um, so like it does depend on what the publisher wants to do and how close to a release it is when they buy the rights. So they might just buy it and be like, okay, we also want to buy the cover art because then we can just put the whole thing out nice and quick. But yeah, good question. You must say, because I've noticed uh, several authors, maybe a year or several, you know, maybe even several months or a couple of years after uh, they've sold, you know, say the UK, the US, you know, and, and all the other, uh, you know, the two different covers. And then they get like Polish rights or Russian rights or German rights or anything. And all the covers are completely different. Uh, completely different artists. Sometimes you don't even recognize it because uh, sometimes they take like really weird roads to get their message across for, for their readership. Uh, but yeah, typically with, with those um, that aren't, I guess, English speaking nations, um, uh, I have no clue. I'm not in publishing. So, uh, but they, you know, they typically will take a little bit longer to do it and they'll have their own covers uh, for books in those countries. At least that's from my experience. Yeah, there's um, some countries that just stick with the same ones, you know, like in, I was in, I lived in Thailand for a little bit and uh, their covers are pretty much all the same for US, uh, the, or the almost always UK covers. That's just my experience. But, you know, like um, my, I, I spent a lot of time in Poland and there's, you know, the covers are completely different. Like I've never seen a single cover that's the same in Poland. Like it's completely and utterly different. And like, honestly, um, Czech Republic does a lot of the same thing. So Sam's cover being the same as the US, I th sorry, the UK, that's a rarity as far as I know. Um, but yeah, that's, that was just my experience. Yeah. Um, so, and, and Devin, I, I want to get your feedback too, because, you know, you had some fantastic indie covers uh, when your books came out and now they're all being redone. I mean, was that, was that just the publisher going, we're going to do no covers or did they just, I guess, would they have had to get the rights, I assume, for the other covers if they had done that? Or were they even considering using your your indie pub covers? Uh, no, they, they never considered uh, using it. When I got the, the initial offer, it came with the understanding that they would be repackaged, um, you know, which my agent explained to me was, yeah, they wanted to do uh, covers for them. 
Um, so it was just never something that we even talked about or argued. And I assume there is a whole load of like uh, legal stuff that I, I don't understand. But I also think um, they wanted to differentiate them so that it would be kind of really clearly different, yeah. um, which is why the covers are really very, very different. They went, um, while they have a similar kind of, I guess, feel and they both have horses on them. Hang on, I'm not actually sure if I've got, oh, I've got a copy of the original one. Hold on. I'm going to say I've got uh, it behind me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's, that's what it used to look like um, uh, in the indie version. And then they went and did this. So, you know, we've still got like the horses uh, and stuff on here. Um, but this is like a, an etched drawing and, you know, they put in a lot of like the, the bright colors and everything. So it's really, they, they very deliberately, uh, you know, the art director has said to me, they very deliberately went uh, super different on that to make it, to make it different. But yeah, it was never, it was never a conversation, but I didn't get um, much input either. Like it was, uh, so this is the artist um, that, we've chosen to do your covers uh what do you think uh so you know like i it's like go and look at the other stuff they've done and like it's really amazing okay cool all right no problem and then i get like the sketches and the sketch and it's like okay this this is what we're thinking of going what do you think and so like there's always a what do you think and i can i can kind of have uh, an opinion but it also kind of feels like just like a tick box you know that it's like they care but they also don't care you know <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the direction that they've already decided that they wanted to go yeah. um you know and so i didn't i didn't get a say in you know the the colors or the uh the the, the layout the anything at all it was just uh so i got yeah the the artist the sketch uh, the kind of finished mock-up of, of what they wanted it to look like afterwards. We made, you know, like super tiny changes to the fact that like, I think in one of them, like his hand looks really ginormous. Like it's the size of the horse's head. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> like those tiny little changes. Like, like the horse landed on it. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I really didn't get a say. Um, this doesn't really bother me though. Cause I, I really, I like the covers a lot. Um, I trust the art department to know better than me. And I'm actually super, super non-visual. So I hate it when they ask me for stuff. Uh, you know, they asked me like, well, uh, just, you know, I got um, an email recently that was like, okay, so we're just, we're just starting on the cover for book three. Do you just have any ideas, you know, like put forward any thoughts of like, you know, we decided which character was sort of going to be depicted on what kind of stuff happens with them in the book, I guess. I just kind of threw out a couple of things and then I got another one back saying, okay, but what do they look like? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not one of those uh, authors who keep like a, a list of what all their characters like physically look like or have, you know, mood boards and stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't visualize. I don't have a visual imagination without it like hurting my brain to do. Uh, so whenever they ask, like really, no, 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 no. So I'm very happy to leave it to them to do. Uh, now, Scott, as somebody who doesn't have cover art yet, have <laughs> asked your opinion? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, they, they asked me to put together, like, uh, or, or, well, Jen, my, my editor, 
uh, asked me to put together, you know, a document, uh, an inspiration document or, or whatever kids call it these days uh, <laughs> uh, of like, hey, what what do you think thematically it should look like and what what should it maybe focus on? And I, you know, put in a few pictures and 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 gave my opinion, but it hasn't gotten to the point where uh, I, I, I would assume, I would hope they, they don't have even an artist. And so I, d I don't think we're far enough for me to even know whether I'm going to have any input at all, but I'm just expecting not to and kind of letting it go. Cause like Devin, I, I, I am the worst visual artist in the entire world. I mean like Pictionary, I can't play it to save my life. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, kind of, kind of the last question I wanted to ask. Uh, so, being traditionally published, uh, and I mean, it kind of feeds into how we're living right now, especially over the past few months. Uh, how much self publicity do you do versus how much do you get or expect from your publisher? All right, I'm going to start this one. This is going to be great. Um, <laughs> so, I got this one. Um, so my book came out, like I said, nine days ago. Um, my U.S. version got delayed. Um, the worst known secret in the world is it's currently out in the U.S. in, in ebook and audio. Um, but because of all the stuff that had with the virus, my U.S. publisher was like, we're treating your June 23rd when the hardcover's out as your debut we're not really going to put you like put you on social media much until it gets closer. And then we're going to let the UK take it over because the UK was still sticking to that May 7th date because they weren't having issues uh, with things. So it was a wonderful time being, uh, being like between two worlds where like it's coming out, it's out technically in the U S and it's there, but my publisher actually isn't treating it like it's out. But the UK is like, oh, it's out. No, 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 it's out. It's like they're waving their hands up and they're like, it's out, it's out, it's out. Um, and it, it's it's really odd. Like, I don't know how much, like for a long time, if you've gone to Glance's uh, Twitter page, they posted something every day about my book. And it's hard to know how much of that was actually based on what the virus was happening and how much that was actually going to happen otherwise. Because marketing changed so much in the past few months that everyone was kind of like, do we do this? Do we do this? Do we do this? And no one really knew what was going on. Like back in like February, you could have been like, oh, it's going to be over in April. And clearly it's not. Um, so for my book, at least, I became like, all right, I just got to keep talking about it. I'm going to keep talking about it until people get sick of my cover photos and want to like throw things at my or unfollow me on Twitter. Like, <laughs> Because that's all I had. That's all I could do. There right. was. It's not like I can go out to a, a local bookstore and be like, "Hey, buy my book." Uh, here's a copy of it. And I was lucky enough that like I have I have connections from like a comic book store I used to frequent for years and years and years. That when I said, "Hey, my book's coming out," he was like, "Oh, I'm already a partner with Simon Schuster. I'll order like like many versions of your book to sell to my customers." So like, great. Um, but like other than that, like I couldn't do anything else it was kind of like just social media and it's the social media is it's hard to tell how much social media helps with a book's release and how much it's kind of just like yelling into a void or to other authors and like other authors are like we if they want your book they may have it already or like they're already supporting you so it's <laughs> weird like 
how do you engage new readers when like you're kind of yelling towards like your friends? Um, and that's a very long winded explanation. I have no idea what's going on with my book. I get, like, <laughs> updates. I get updates from my agent being like, you're blank now. And I'm like, great. What does that mean? And he'll respond like, we have no idea right now. <laughs> like I, I know how many copies I sold. At least I think I do in the U.S. And I asked my agent like, is that good? And he's just like, oh, yeah, I have no idea. And this is someone who's been in the industry for like 30 years. He's like, this is a great guess. Is good. This is get biggest guesses. It is mine. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And that was a very long rant. And I'm gonna stop talking because I really have no idea. <laughs> wonderful time. No, but you're kind of right about social media, though. Yeah, because I mean, you're you're kind of. Uh, I think Jonathan French put it earlier that you're yelling into a hurricane. Uh, you have no idea where your words are going to land, yeah. and if they do land, uh, they could just still be spinning, you know, up in the air. Uh, but I mean, you know, it, it's hard to base it when you don't have physical books and you're handing it to people, uh, at signings or something, and people are like, "Oh my gosh, I can't wait to read it." I mean, you can have all the likes on Twitter you want. It doesn't mean somebody's going to buy your book. They could just be like, cool, the book looks cool, fantastic. On to the next right. thing. Uh, <laughs> because that's just kind of what Twitter's and, – and, and that's and unfortunately, that's how Instagram is too. People just scroll through it and just like something. and They don't read anything. They just like it because oh, that's a cool photo. Like and keep going. And you, you can't count that as, a, as a, I guess, a touch. Uh, you know, or I don't know what the actual term for it is. I, I was in marketing in, in college, but I, that, I don't remember any of those years. So, um, but yeah, uh, anybody else uh, have, have some input? Jeremy, uh, look, I mean, <laughs> there's only, there's only, um, there's only so much you can know. And like for traditionally published books, a lot of the time people are following that path because the, um, sales and marketing stuff is just way outside their wheelhouse. And that's certainly in my case, I don't know how to do any of the things other than write the books. Um, so as far as I can tell, in terms of social media, a lot of the time you can't, you can't control what people are doing. As you say, you don't know whether people who are following you on Twitter and interacting with you are actually um, going to read your book or not. Um, my policy is always just to kind of be there and be available and do the things that I enjoy doing. So I hang out on Twitter too much because I like Twitter. Um, I post pictures of my dogs and things that I bake on Instagram because I think my dogs are cute and I am proud of myself when I bake croissants. <laughs> like, um, I just view it as a, if you're yourself or the best version of yourself online, um, you're doing what you can and you can't really control much more than that. You're pleasant and friendly and a nice presence um, on these social media sites and available to readers if they want to ask you stuff. But you're not going to move masses of, of, of books through Twitter campaigns or anything. All you can do is kind of build up a, a reputation for being a decent human. Um, and you, you don't know what the ripple effects of that are. You don't know. Like I buy almost all my books um, through recommendations of people and largely people who I'm friends with on Twitter or, um, or on Facebook or whatever and these various groups. Um, and you can't measure that. Like you can't measure that I um, respect Devon's taste. So if she tells me a book is good, I'll go out and buy it. That's not something that marketing can record and so you don't know. So all you can do is just not be an asshole um, and hope for the best. Cool <laughs> That's don't be an asshole. 
Good advice. That's really the best advice. That's my general, like, that's my general <laughs> advice for social media handling is like, don't be an asshole. If you, even if you are secretly an asshole, don't be like a visible asshole. Hide your asshole <laughs> in a package of pleasantness. Um, because ultimately, like pretending to be a decent human um, for the people you interact with, it's almost as good. Like, even if you're secretly not liking them, <laughs> like, <laughs> if you're pleasant, if you're pleasant to people, even if inside you're a monster, um, then you, you're doing ninety percent of the work. Anyway, so Is this a like, I'm not saying you're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> She's very sweet. <laughs> But no, like honestly, just don't don't be an ass. Don't be an ass in your publishing career with the people you work with. Don't be an ass to other writers. Don't be an ass to fans, and you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I I think that kind of channels what you were saying. You know, into when you're on social media, is to remember that a rising tide raises all boats, and that you are in a uh, an industry with other people, with other human beings, and that if you want to go anywhere, you have to do your part in a community, and you know be nice to your colleagues, don't be an asshole to them, you know, support other writers, support other people, talk about other books that aren't your own, you know, try and get the word out about, you know, j just j give the impression that you're part of a community because you are. And if you are just talking shop about your own books 24 seven, people will notice. Sure, you'll get one or two extra readers, maybe, but other people will notice and, you know, and that's not really something that you want to do for yourself if you're just you know tooting your own horn 24 7 and you know and what's really the point you know if you're not in this industry you know to you know be part of a community and you know get more book get you know get books out there and get them read and get good quality stuff out there and do great work you know why are you in this industry yeah i mean we're all you know publish if things are stacked against us as hard it, hard enough as they are even in traditional publishing it's hard to go anywhere so you know, making things even more difficult for yourself by pretending to go solo and going out for number one is, you know, it's not, you're not helping anyone and you're not fooling anyone either. And so, yeah, just, you know, try and, you know, be part of a community, try and, you know, uplift other writers, you know, engage in conversations, just be out there like what Sam says. And yeah, that sort of thing. It's, it's, I mean, I, I do think that social media has a big input in your sales and being able to, you know, be known by other writers and bloggers and authors and reviewers definitely helps push the needle along. Uh, and yeah, and it's important to really remember what you do say has consequences. And because, you know, all of us, I'm sure, had stupid stuff that we said 10 years ago. And uh, you can't really say the same things now because for better or worse, you are, quote unquote, a public figure. So, you know, if you say something stupid at a panel or and someone quotes you on that, you know, you've got to, and people will remember for better or worse. So yeah, it's just always good to keep in mind that you're not alone and it's, you know, it's not, doesn't, nothing exists in a vacuum and to always, you know, support, you know, other writers. I mean, obviously no one's going to care about your book as much as you will ever. I mean, that's natural, but just remember that you're part of a community and yeah, just try to play by ear. Except for your mom, unless you're Devin's mom, who cares about Sam's book more? <laughs> <laughs> Devin's mom is a we love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would kind of, uh, and, and before we get to everybody else's response, I would kind of say the same thing about the book reviewing community. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that pimp their own stuff and that's great. Uh, but there are a ton of people that just continuously share everybody else's stuff. Uh, whether, you know, it's book reviews uh, or somebody's got a new channel up or something 
there's there's always a big group of people that are just pushing and pushing and pushing going oh my gosh this is a great review i'm gonna read this book now and that gets those you know their followers going oh i need to check that out too but you know if you just continuously toot your own horn you're gonna turn a lot of people off and and not to say that self-promoting your own book is bad but when you've got a book coming out that's what you have to do but it's not just mm -hmm that all the time and just pressing it and pressing it because i've seen several authors like on you know especially earlier on when i was doing uh early book reviews and beta reads and stuff i mean every post was like about their book and it maybe had been out for weeks or months or even a year and i was like i, th I think you've beaten that horse enough maybe try to make friends and they can talk about your book while you talk about theirs <laughs> And it's just something, you know, you, you kind of just have to, you just, I don't know if it's, you have to know it, but you know, you, you, you have to know that, you know, people are out for more than just you. <laughs> However depressing that sounds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my big thing is like, I, I'm nobody, right? Like I don't even have books out yet. So don't listen to me. You're about to, um, it's fine. But yeah, thank you. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, like, I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, like, oh, you, you should cultivate your social media presence and you should do, you should do this, you should do that. I'm like, you know, even if that got me extra readers, like I'm not about to spend the majority of my life. Cause let's be honest, the majority of my life is spent on Twitter these days. Uh, I'm not about to spend the majority of my life being a fabricated person, you know, like I'm going to be me. Uh, I'm going to try to genuinely not be an asshole. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, like, man, uh, I, I'm, I'm so much more likely to buy a book from somebody who's, who's authentic and, and, and a cool person and gets a, you know, gets a good recommendation from somebody else than I am somebody who's like super funny on, on Twitter or whatever. Um, that, that's just my two cents. Right. Like, so the, you, you'll probably see that backfire, uh, awfully when my books are out because uh i i don't do a whole lot to you know ramp up audience or, or what have you but uh man that that just kind of uh strikes me the wrong way like oh cultivate your platform Ooh, it just makes me feel gross corporate speak 101 <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest i'm completely with you like i i am not a social media person like before i decided i was going to be a writer you had a hard time finding me on any social media because I didn't have them. Like I was one of the person you had to like text to find out. You'd be like, where did it go? I'd be like, oh, six months later, oh, he's in France. I'd be like, oh, okay. Like that was how people had to get in contact with me. Like I was not on social media. Um, and like this whole like once you get into like publishing, it's like you have to be on social media. Uh, or like it feels like you do at least because like that's where you see people are talking and interacting and like that's where you think books are being sold. So there's an initial thing like you have to be there or else you're not, you're going to miss out on a lot. And like when I had those, whenever I have those feelings, I'm like I have to be on here. I'm always like, I'm not enjoying it. But when I come yeah, on right. and be like, yeah, when I come on and be like, I'm going to like joke around about this stupid thing or like try to make fun of Jeremy when he's not looking. Um, it's way more fun. Like when you have genuine interactions with things, like it becomes more fun rather than just being yeah. like, Oh, this is a brand. I have to keep maintaining my brand. Yeah. Yeah, and okay. I should tell you, when I said be like a nicer version of yourself, I don't mean make a fake person. Um, I'm <laughs> a full believer in, uh, I just mean don't be an ass, even if you're <laughs> 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 
Oh, um, totally, totally. There's this revolving like, idea. Like, the no, we, there's this idea that um, you have to be on social media or whatever, and it's not largely untrue. Like, I'm not saying social media doesn't move books because it obviously does. And you, as I said before, you can't know the ripple effect of making friends and being part of it. But also, the vast majority of readers still really aren't sitting there on Twitter interacting with authors. Um, so it can feel like that's where everybody is, but it's not. It's not really true. And so most of the time, you don't really have. Um, you don't really have access to the vast majority of people who are selling books. So it's something you do if you enjoy it and only to the extent that you enjoy it. There's no point being on Twitter if you're hating every second because it'll come across that you're hating every second. And it's a waste of your time. Like, dude, most of us have, like, day jobs and kids and pets and stuff. You, 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 don't, you can't spend the time that you could be spending writing doing something that you hate just because you think that that's part of the gig. Um, because I, don't think, I genuinely don't think it is part of the gig if you're... Um, if you're not enjoying it. You'll be bad at it if you don't enjoy it. So, like, pick the platforms that you are good at because you enjoy them and you like spending time there. Like, if you like taking pictures, if I like taking pictures of my dog, I'll post them on Insta. But I'm not going to sit on Insta trying to crack the hashtags and the whatever the code is for getting lots of followers on there. It's just not something I'm interested in, so it's not something I'm going to do because it's, I'm going to be bad at it. Um, and there's, you know, there's so many different ways that you can be online. Uh, you can't be on top of all of them or you wouldn't have time to write books. Um, so, yeah, my, my advice, particularly in hanging out in your debut year, is, like, do only the things that you enjoy doing um, and, like, be, be careful that you don't enjoy them too much and spend all of your time doing them. Um, but, yeah, like, just have fun. And if you're not having fun, don't, don't think that you have to do it as a marketing exercise because ultimately you don't and it won't work. That's my theory. <laughs> uh anybody else have any any last second thoughts uh on that uh or have we beaten that horse <laughs> i mean just a bloody fourth at this point everybody good <laughs> everybody's quiet so i assume so sure. um so uh i'm just gonna go and let everybody have an opportunity to pimp their latest book or upcoming book uh, Scott can pimp his entire trilogy if you want to. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so Nick, we'll start with you. All right. Um, this is this is my book. This is the pretty U.S. cover. Uh, it's called King of Liars. This version comes out June twenty third by Saga Press. Um, look, you're either gonna love or hate my main character. I re there's really no in between at this point. Um, and if you hate it, it re looks really good when you throw it across the room. Um, that's all I really got. <laughs> wow. Everybody go out and buy it now. I mean, you have incentive. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> all right, Jeremy. <laughs> all right, this is my uh, book. It's, this is my pretty cover. Uh, I don't actually have an art <laughs> yet. So this is all I have. Uh, um, yeah, you get that? There you go. No. This is the only copy I have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you do chuck it across the room. It hurts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's about, you know, uh, DNA of extinct aliens that makes people addicted to adrenaline and aggression. So obviously, absolutely nothing wrong could go with that. Uh, you know, it's about brotherhood. It's about family. It's about doing right by the people you love. But if you're not into that, it's also about, you know, it's got alien drug dealers, aliens who who are addicted to drugs, it's got spaceships, it's got cities and an asteroid, weird space cults, you know, all the good stuff. 
Uh, we pitched it as uh, Blade Runner 2049 meets Mass Effect 2. So if you're into that, you know, this is uh, might be your thing. It comes out in 18 days, and I am not worried about that at all. It is the first of a trilogy, so please buy it. You don't have to read it. You don't have actually. I'd be perfectly fine with you not reading it. Uh, so, yeah, but, but just buy it. Uh, there's a lot of yeah. It's very visceral. There's a lot of gross stuff in it. I think there was someone on Twitter, Goodreads, who said that the story is like an ice pick to the face in the best possible way, and it made the made the skin crawl in the best possible way. So you know, if that's your thing, go for it. Yeah, that. But that's that's me, and so that's my. This is my glorious book. <laughs> Right, they, don't like me enough, they don't like me enough to give me arcs. <laughs> I chained the wrong people in my basement. Oh, gosh. All right, Sam, your turn. Oh, my turn. Um, sorry. Um, my, my, I already showed you my covers. Uh, that's City of Lies. Uh, it's been out for a while. I would love it if you also bought it. Um, that would be grand. Um, <laughs> Hollow Empire is the sequel. It's coming out in December. Um, uh, pre-orders are just the best possible people do pre-orders. Like it just releases something excellent about your character if you um, if you pre-order that book or several copies of that book. Um, <laughs> what the word is on the table. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, uh, you, might like, you might like my books if you um, kind of like, um, it's sort of a murder mystery and intrigue and politics uh, uh, in a city under siege, basically. So um, probably um, uh, low on the low magic side and, um, uh, kind of a slow burn tension sort of story rather than a big um, dragon battle kind of epic fantasy. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm quite fond of it. Um, and, you know, I would like to continue writing for a living if possible. So uh, <laughs> for that reason, tell all your friends and family. For what it's worth, I usually don't like slow burn fantasies and I really, really enjoyed it. So there you have it. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet of you. It is awesome. Scott? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have books out. I don't have books out soon even. It's going to be uh, a year. All I've, all I've got is, you know, uh, a, a few of these. Uh, so go buy all their books, I suppose. But uh, a, a quick pitch. <laughs> <laughs> quick pitch Scott, for thank you so who... much for being here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Can we pre-order your book, Scott? No, 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 no. They're not even on Goodreads. Oh, yeah. you, no, you can't no. do anything. It's, it's, it doesn't exist. No. What you even eat? Yeah, I some good vibes from around people the world. Said, people said hang out with authors, drink a little bit, you know. I, I, I just showed up. Scott's like, I have an author. How about it? Uh, no, you, you, what, what were you going to say, uh, Scott? You, you said you were going to say something. Oh, yeah, just a quick pitch for uh, people that can remember things and people for more than one year, which would not be me, but maybe there's some out there. Uh, I'm a simple man. I write, uh, you know, what I like, which is action, adventure, fantasy. Um, my magic slash tech system is modified electromagnetism, uh, which I thought was uh, fun. I come from an engineering background uh, a decade or so ago. So, uh, yeah. Uh, that's what I write. You'll you'll see it in a year or so. All right, Devin. <laughs> uh, okay, well, uh, you know, this is uh, Rewrite the Storm. It's out on June 23rd uh, in the U.S. and uh, June 25th in the U.K. Uh, it is uh, the story of a, an empire that was built on war being destroyed uh, beneath war and is of division and 
so we're not communicating. Uh, <laughs> we follow a uh, there's a snarky assassin with a voice in her head. She can't make it go away. Uh, a honorable warrior who's been forced uh, to fight a war not of his making, uh, and an ambitious princess who wants to be the empress in her own right, whatever the cost. And it's a mess. <laughs> lots of intrigue. Uh, lots of battle. Uh, some weird Trixie necromancy, uh, soul magic. It's uh, it's there. Fantastic. Um, well, everybody, uh, I, I know it's late for a couple, or I guess not really late, but somewhat late for a couple of us, uh, and early for everybody else. But uh, just want to thank all of y'all for uh, coming on. Uh, I think it's been a fantastic chat for uh, about an hour and forty five minutes. Uh, I, uh, I think I think I can I can safely say that everybody is surviving or has survived their debut because everybody's still here so um and, and scott will survive his when it gets here uh and, uh and so will jeremy in 18 days uh but just uh just really i really appreciate you guys uh and and ladies uh would be willing to participate in this uh i, I know it's you know it was it's like a month whirlwind uh, getting this all done but it, it's been great uh seeing you all uh, chatting with you all, even though I've you know had an opportunity to chat with some of you before, uh, and and just uh, again thanks for for everything and uh, and thank everybody for tuning in that, that's had a chance to tune in and again this will be uh, going on the YouTube channel at some point I think they're slowly uploading to my channel I just saw uh, the first panel load uh, so 14 hours apparently is the time it takes for it to actually load to my main channel uh, so I guess my job is done. <laughs> Yeah, so my, my plan is to just like post one thing tomorrow and just everybody can just kind of like share it so everybody can that didn't get a chance to see it live uh we'll see it tomorrow so but just again thank y'all it was awesome so uh i'm gonna thank i'm gonna you. go ahead in there uh so jeremy can come do his reading <laughs> Because I know he's uh, he's been looking forward to reading off of his uh, mini pages. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Fantastic. But uh, everybody else, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Stay safe. Uh, and maybe we'll try to do this again at some point if uh, we're still kind of in the same <laughs> living arrangements. So cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks, everyone. Right, thank you. Bye. Bye. See you guys.